Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Korean American Parenting. I uh, hope you're doing well. hope you're staying safe. We took a break for the last couple of weeks. And if you listen to the show weekly, you heard my interview with Jang uh, from last year on my other show, Dear Asian Americans, on episodes 12 and 21. And hope you got a chance to uh, learn and appreciate a little bit of Jang's background and her perspectives and thoughts on how we can talk to both our parents and our children as parents ourselves. Um, and even though you know, uh, I mean, actually, we thought that the pandemic would be over by now and almost a year. Um, it's still going on. So we're, we're we hope that those lessons and those thoughts um, are still helpful for you today as we continue uh, to have tough conversations, um, probably even tougher conversations as we've been talking about the same damn thing for almost a year. Um, you know, yes, vaccines are here. Um, but just yesterday, to give you some context, uh, where I am in California, the governor just said, hey, no more stay-at-home restrictions, and you can go back to outdoor dining and outdoor leisure activities like family fun centers and even um, card rooms being able to operate outside. So um, maybe time to have another tough conversation with our parents about uh, not, well, our parents and our kids and our friends, actually, uh, just because you're allowed to doesn't mean that you should participate in things that... Um, could potentially put all of us in danger. And so uh, we're back. It is February, and we are uh, about a week away from celebrating um, New Year, as some of us do in the lunar system. And so uh, we're going to continue to say Happy New Year, and you might get sick of it, but another week until our New Year. Um, we want to give you a quick heads up and reminder on how we have shifted a little bit into how we're providing content and uh, creating content here on Korean American Parenting. And we made these changes uh, based on some of the feedback that we've gotten from the listeners and just the discussion ourselves on how can we best serve uh, our audience. And again, we never want to be having conversations just between me and Jang and talk to you folks. Uh, we want this to be a discussion and to make it as helpful as possible because we are all trying to raise uh, confident, happy, and uh, smart children as, as uh, our next generation. So to give you a quick update on what we're talking about here in February, and, and it starts with our discussion here on this episode, is we're going to uh, cover topics for our parents or parents um, of infants, toddlers, and kindergarten kids. So, you know, anybody who is uh, newborn expecting to about ages five or six. And so uh, we're going to talk to some friends of ours in the coming weeks. Uh, one has a very uh, impressive social media presence on raising bilingual Korean American children. And so we're going to learn from her about how to best leverage our time at home and the opportunities that we have at our fingertips to teach our kids uh, the beauty of beautiful language that we, uh, many of us speak and many of us uh, for whom it was our, our first tongue. 
And then the following week on the 18th, we're going to talk to a friend of ours who has uh, leveraged the YouTube platform into creating video content to teach our culture um, in, in a very fun, almost a Sesame Street sort of a style way. And at the end of the month, as we always do, or as we always will going forward, on the last Thursday of every month, we're going to host for you a question and answer session with Dr. Cho. And that one is going to be happening uh, live on our Facebook group. And so we're going to give you, uh, our listeners of folks, to uh, jump in, join in the conversation. Uh, we had a very, very great converse or a Q&A session last month uh, where we talked about uh, grief, death in the family, um, uh, rambunctious boys, um, and all sorts of amazing topics. So uh, what we want to encourage you to do going forward as you're listening to this episode and the episodes going forward is to jot down your questions. If you have anything that is a reaction to some of the things that we're talking about or just any questions that is related to, um, you know, obviously centered around uh, health of mental health and sort of behavioral topics, share our thoughts. And of course, uh, Jang will share her medical expertise and, and uh, thoughts there. But yeah, shoot, if you want to, you can shoot them us, shoot the questions over to us through our uh, Korean American Parenting Instagram page, and that is at Korean American Parenting, or shoot us an email um, to hello at Korean American Parenting as well, or figure out a way to get the messages to us. Um, there is a link in our bio on the Instagram page that will allow you to submit questions anonymously as well if you want to remain anonymous, as we know that some of these topics can be a little bit sensitive, or you don't want your partner knowing that you're asking these questions to random people on the internet. That's okay. And so um, <laughs> today, today we're going to uh, talk about uh, our experiences personally as uh, first-time parents. We always say first-time parents, but I don't know who's not a first-time parent, right? Like nobody's born a parent. So here we are. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about our own experiences, um, what we thought before, what we experienced, um, what our and then we'll try to be as objective as we can. Um, but what we think our partners think about the things that we did uh, great or could have improved on and, and things like that. So um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. For I've talked a lot. Yeah, long intro. <laughs> um, just to add. Um, so um, for for the next three months, um, what we're doing is more structured to the pro giving more structure to the program. So February, we're going to do infancy, toddler, kindergarten uh, related issues, anything, you know, non-Korean American or Korean American language development. And then in March, we will talk more about elementary school and middle school age kids. Um, and we'll have friends and experts that come um, to talk about that age group. And then come April... We will talk about um, launching our kids from high school to college. Um, so the older teens and young adult population, if we have parents who are uh, have older children, we, we will talk about um, the issues regarding parenting those um, teens and young adults. So um, I just wanted to give you more of an overlook of what we're going to do for the, for the next three months. But today, we are going to talk a little bit about our um First-time moms and dads uh, who are just becoming, you know, getting used to having little ones around. I guess we should just start. Let's do it. Yeah. So, well, okay, Jerry. So, um, well, let me let me ask you. Like, you know, you you have two kids, um, but how, let's go back to your first one. And we talked a little bit about how it came about when you had your first child in Michigan. But did was this all planned out? And like, like. 
anything surprising for you as a dad? Has it has it changed anything in you? Everything. Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't want to make any assumptions. I mean, we we probably have new people um, who who are joining us for this, and we don't expect you to go back and listen to all the episodes. Although if you want to, we'd love it. Um, so you know, we <laughs> we got married in July of 2015, and uh, just a few weeks later, we moved to Michigan uh, so that I could start my graduate school program uh, there at Michigan. And um, Jacob was born in December of 2016, and so if you do the math, um, you know we uh, probably you know conceived early 2016. Um, you know, so this was during the nearing the end of my first year in graduate school. Uh, we found out in April, um, and so you know a big a bunch of life. I guess, you know, school related big things that happened in my life for the next few months or in our lives um, were that I had to travel for school related, uh, project related stuff for a little while during the first semester or for the first trimester, excuse me. Um, then this was planned for a very long time. Um, but we went to Korea with my parents to visit family and to say hello to some folks. And so um, for Kyungwa, it was a painful time because she was dealing with morning sickness and nausea and all sorts of... Oh, so she traveled with you? Yeah. Um, <gasps> wow, she's a tripper. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me about it. Um, it sucked. We went to Jeju-do. She couldn't eat fish. We went to sushi <laughs> restaurants in Korea. She oh, couldn't no! eat fish. I know. Um, you know, it's you really know. funny, though. Like, um, um, first kid, everyone's like, oh, we cannot have any sushi, all this stuff. And, you know... But then, like by second, third kid, everyone's like, "It's okay." <laughs> it's okay. I mean, same same thing with you know what what you feed your kids and stuff, right? So, right. um, yeah, I I think there's uh you know so that was that, and then you know we came back and um I, I did my internship during between the two years of my business school, and um I was technically housed out of the Chicago office for the consulting company, with our project being located in Denver, and so I was doing this weird triangulation of travel. Um, I probably would have done it in any case, but, you know, just because she was, uh, staying in Michigan working, um, and, you know, going through her, uh, first and second trimester, I decided to make some, uh, crazy travel plans to sort of triangulate between Detroit, Chicago, and Denver, um, across three time zones without, uh, sacrificing, you know, the quality of work or the relationships that I wanted to build. So it was challenging. Um, you know, when we eventually had Jacob, um, it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, you know, we luckily we decided to go to school at Michigan where they have a very, very great uh, university hospital. Was it and a kind of a smooth delivery? The smooth delivery part, I, I think it was um, yes and no. Uh, we went in on a Thursday and he came out Saturday morning. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, you know, we we, we went out of precaution um, earlier. Um but, you know, uh, perhaps I, I didn't educate myself enough or perhaps I didn't know enough. But, you know, uh, everything just in a heightened sense. Right. Um, and so were you, you know, nervous? I, of course, I was nervous. Um, really? a, a funny story that, you know, Kyungwa likes to tell now is, you know, uh, at the time it's like, oh, she's having contractions. And I didn't know what that meant in terms of the imminent imminence of the baby <laughs> coming out. So in my mind, I was like, oh, shit, the baby's coming out any second, right? And of course, that's not the case. And so I remember I, I turned to the nurse and I was like, do I have time to go to the bathroom? 
And <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's going to be a few hours. You can go. And I was like, but I thought, you know, so anyway, suffice it to say, I probably could have done a better job educating myself uh, through the reading of books and, and doing other stuff. Um, what was really helpful, though, was that uh, nearby at the town next door, um, the hospital there at St. Joseph's hosted a daddy boot camp. And so oh. I got to spend, yeah, I got to spend half a day with other dads, none of them who I knew. Um, this is before but, she was in the hospital, though, right? Correct. So this was during okay. the pregnancy um, mm -hmm. where they host these sessions for um, pending dads mm -hmm. hosted by other dads who've been through the mm -hmm. program. And so it's just a bunch of dads answering questions for other pending dads, first time dads, just, you know, ask all the dumb questions you don't want to ask your wife or your partner or whatever. Um, so that was very helpful. Um, oh, and so you, you were know, very it, involved. Uh, better than most, but probably not probably definitely could have done a better job in terms of, you know, um, books and stuff. So um, I know people aren't watching this on video, but right behind me is a, is, is a very large bookcase and down on the bottom shelf are some parenting books, a couple of them that are dad oriented, or at least um, just parents. Uh, none of these are specifically mom oriented, obviously. Um, but, you know, could I have done a better job reading those books and having to understand um, all of it? Absolutely. Mm. Um, I think sort of my bias um, or laziness or... Um, I don't know. My justification was that because my wife is also a medical professional, that she just knew better and knew more than I did, you know, about these things. Well, you know, I think I can add to that a little bit um, because I think that's what my husband kind of thought. Um, me being, you know, the psychiatrist, not <laughs> probably the farthest from the OBGYN, but he, he, I'm a doctor. But I also thought that myself. So we didn't even go to like any of those. Um, um, classes, even birthing class. I was like, I don't need a birthing class. And it turned out to be disastrous. <laughs> so yeah, we did actually, um, now that we, we did go to a Lamaze class um, at the hospital, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we wanted to take in the full like experience of things. Um, and luckily, very luckily I was in graduate school, right? Like, um, and I don't know, the, the stereotypes are true. Business school, Grades don't matter as long as you know you're there tactically you to get a job. In your time, I had mm -hmm. all the I had all the flexibility in the world. Um, at that time, I had an offer pending from where I spent the summer. I just had to accept by December, and so actually, I accepted the week before Jacob was born. And so, when he was born, I decided to just become a full time dad and a part time optional graduate student um, until cool. yeah until August when I had to show up to work. Um, so that's about like what seven eight months. I spent an eight. I spent as much time as humanly possible as I could with him for the first eight months of his life. That's a um, great bonding moment. Yeah, I, I took him to school. I took him to a bar one time. I took him to some parties. Um, oh, he he had a very amazingly adventurous eight, first um, eight months. Yeah, uh, except I forgot his um, headphones, his sound deadening headphones. When I took him mm -hmm. to the bar, so I couldn't stay as long. As, as I wanted to. But um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear about your and, and Young's experience. Um, what, what, what sort of oh. life stage were you guys <laughs> at? And like, how did you guys prepare? Well, so it's very interesting because um, when we got married, we didn't really um, have any plans of having children for a long time. And then um, 
after a couple of years, I actually had a miscarriage. Um, and so that was very difficult. And I was like, I am never having any children. Uh, and so it took another year for us to start trying. Um, but of course, like there were a lot of pressure from both parents, sets of parents, <laughs> of course, um, as all Korean parents do. Um, and um, the deliver so like I said, you know what we thought we knew a lot um, and didn't really take any courses. Um, and my water broke um, two weeks early. So we ended up going to the hospital and I was uh, getting induced. So I did go in um, kind of like Thursday late night and then uh, I delivered on a Saturday afternoon. So it took a long time. Um, and and of course, like, I don't know why, but I thought like, oh, I'm going to get an epidural and then I'm going to be fine. Um, of course, my epidural didn't work. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was in pain and Young thought I was joking um, and he was so tired. So um, <laughs> he was sleeping a lot and I got really angry at him uh, through the deliver, uh, throughout the um, labor. Um, and, um, when the epidural uh, anesthesiologist come in, came in to do the epi first epidural, Young was watching a baseball game on TV and didn't even respond to the anesthesiologist asking like, oh, maybe you should hold her hand. He's, he's like, no response. <laughs> she, he, he's not going to, um, live it down. But I think for me, um, that eight. You, you know, you're talking about the eight months, first eight months of um, bonding time for uh, for you and Jacob. I think that was really, really tough time for me, um, uh, more than actually pregnancy. Um, I had pretty severe um, postpartum anxiety where I couldn't sleep um, and I felt very... Um, I felt very vulnerable being home alone with my child that I couldn't take care of the child very well. Um, so um, I did get treatment, um, but also I needed a lot of support um, from Young, um, who worked a lot from home because of that reason. Um, also, my uh, mother-in-law came in to help out a lot. Um, so in, in a way, I think um, it's a very vulnerable time for most moms. And, um, it, you know, in our culture, usually we do have a lot of support that comes in. But also at the same time, I, I felt like the focus was on the kiddo. Uh, even my focus is on the kiddo. And sometimes um, my identity as a person, not a mom, sometimes gets really brutal. And so that was a very difficult time. Eventually, after like kind of like seven, eight months, um, I came out of the postpartum and I was able to go back to work. And that really kind of um, made me feel better. But also at the same time, um, I had to struggle a lot about um, bonding and being a good mother that I wanted it to be because um, I felt like I wasn't being domestic enough. I wasn't being um, maternal enough, um, not natural enough. Um, so these are feelings that I... Uh, that I went through those first six to eight months of my motherhood. I, I don't want to misspeak or misrepresent what my wife went through because she has her own experience. Um, but I think I, what I wasn't prepared for um, from a dad perspective was uh, the gravity of the identity change that you spoke about because I no longer became the priority 
nor did I become any priority of what was important to me. Um, and it wasn't necessarily what the expectations of my family or, you know, it was an expectation that I set on myself because, and I still struggle with it, especially all of us working from home is this notion of, um, it seems binary, right? If I don't, either I'm spending time with my kids or I'm not, right? Like we're recording now, I lock my door because the kids barge in. If it wasn't a recording, I just leave it unlocked and they can come in and they can say hi. And, you know, there are moments where it's like, hey, can we play? And I have to tell them no, and it sucks, right? But also realizing that, you know, I need to do what I do to help provide for them so that we can have toys and have a place to live. Um, but when it first happened, you know, uh, situationally, it was also when, uh, back when we could travel in this, you know, in the winter break of 2016, like all my friends were traveling for the holidays and you see Christmas photos and you see New Year's stuff and mm -hmm. you see people hanging out and going out and, uh, people saying like, Hey, let's hang out. And it's like, yo, I got a baby. Life is different. And I think just that shift of, uh, I, I don't think any amount of reading, or any amount of coaching from somebody else could really prepare what you have to deal with. Um, you know, and I think we struggle with it, right? Because I think what for a lot of people that translates or transfers into this direct like kids over everything mindset, which is also not healthy. Well, I think and that's the way that we were grown up too, right? Like yeah. we are supposed to sacrifice for our children. Um, you know, our parents did and they did everything. Um, I don't think I thought about identity of my parents as a person until I became much more adult, right? So um, it, even though it, we may not think about it consciously, I think it's an ingrained in us that we do do have to do everything for our child and our identity isn't as important. So I think that that was kind of something that I had to really process it. Yeah, and, and I think it's... Um... I feel it too, right? Like, how do I want my kids to see what I do and what my wife does um, as ourselves? Um, shit, like our parents didn't have date night. They didn't have like, you know, babysit. Like, it was weird. I, I still remember um, the very first time my parents, that I can remember, maybe they did it before. The very first time my parents took a trip by themselves. This was when we were in Korea and they like went to Hong Kong for the weekend. Like there was an elaborate scheme of lies to convince us that they weren't actually jumping on a plane. And in fact, that they were just going, <laughs> you know, to spend the weekend with friends at the resort that we always go to. And um, yeah. And then when we found that, I was like, oh, my God, we've been duped. <laughs> um, and I, I hope to and, they, you know, they needed it. And I wish that society, a particularly Korean society, didn't have these really toxic expectations that parents just have to be parents and that they can um, live their lives and participate in the things that we want. And that goes for both men and women. I completely understand the privilege that most Korean men um, keep and sustain and even uh, perpetuate continually in the fact that they can have social lives outside the home but when moms do it, then it's a little bit weird and almost seems irresponsible of how dare you. Because, again, we 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 live in this fake construct of a binary system where either you do everything for your kids or you're a really terrible parent. 
Well, I think that's also the problem because, you know, obviously our par uh, gen parents' generation, that was the bin binary construct that they lived with. But then us, like, take for me, like, I have that ingrained in me from my parents, but at the same time, my education have taught me that I have to be independent woman. I have to be, uh, you know, functional, well, functional, meaning like workforce in, uh, in the society. At the same time, I have to be this amazing mother. Um, and you know, now after four years, I'm like, well, well, maybe I just can't do everything perfectly and that's okay. Um, but it took four years to think about that, right? Like when I first had this child, I was like, I have to do everything perfect in all realms of what I was taught to be. Not only am I, um, uh, should be a great housewife when I'm home and a great mother, but I still have to go out and be a great physician and great, yeah. um, you know, workforce. And um, that's a lot of burden, on uh on a mother or even on parent yeah just in general but i think the concept of burden um which is i'm sure something that we're going to talk about with all of our guests in the coming weeks and coming months um what we what we think parents should do or what we think we should do as parents are all things that were planted in our heads um, by either our parents our extended family uh, media portrayals and just our peers and what, what I want to share with folks that are listening um, as, as, as we uh, bring this conversation to a close is you do you. You do what's right for you with the love and support of your partner. And as long as that you think that you're doing right by your kids, I know it's hard, but let's all try to drown out and minimize not the expectations of other people because that's going to always come, but our response to it and our reliance on it. I, I have to admit, I've seen and I've I've judged silently too. Like when I see friends who are um, hanging out, and this is when we could obviously like going on trips or going out with friends and you know having a very social fill time, and I'm like, yo, you got a baby at home? What the hell? Right. And then again, and I, have judge. To, I understand that, but it's, it's a natural instinctive reaction. And so I also have to think, what are people saying about me when I go, you know, when I share what I'm doing and you know, how dare. And so we need to, we, all of us need to stop doing that. Right. And, and yes, there is, and, and this is where it gets tough because there are objectively uh, irresponsible actions and objectively irresponsible parents who um, if you're doing that at the uh, detriment of your the welfare of your kid, then that's something that we need to address. But you know, the life change that happens in terms of identity and what you do and is very very tricky. So you know, it's something that we need to work through. But I think what we can all do collectively as you know a group of people who want to raise confident children is focus less on other people, cultural, societal, community expectations and people's opinions, and just really focus on what's going to work for me and my family with obviously conversations like this and input from other people um, who will be supportive in your journey and not be so judgy and, uh, you know, more, um, I guess, you know, uh, condescending or corrective in nature, punitive in nature, I guess. I think, I think the... The only thing that I would add is I think most Korean Americans, me included, our 
worst enemy is ourselves. Um, I think we have a very strict um, standard for uh, ourselves, um, and that's how we be, uh, we were raised to have that kind of strict and very harsh standards. So I I think it was for it, personally for me it was a work in progress to let that go and say you know I am doing this for the first time in my life, um, and. I'm doing what I think is the right thing, which is to try and learn um, to be what I want, what kind of uh, parent I want to be. And it's a process, not not like, you know, getting to one point from A to B. And that's I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned in the past four years to be more gracious um, and be nice to myself. I think that's a very good reminder as we sort of tackle the different stages of parenthood. Um, and again, this we're going to say this every single time, how Jang and I have raised our children and how we have gone through our experiences are, are simply that. Um, it's our own experience and it's our own perspective. You do you. Because um, we certainly didn't raise our kids the way that our parents expected us to, nor are we raising them in a way that some book or some Facebook group or even some podcast is telling us to do. And so what we hope to do uh, by bringing on these amazing conversations and uh, just to give folks a preview of what's really coming down the lane, um, you know, we have um, other other physicians, other experts, academic and educational experts, um, people who know what they're talking about, but also people who will speak from a position of objectivity and a position of wanting to help everybody. And so we hope you join us um, in the months forward, in the months coming forward, um, as we bring in extra voices of friends, old and new. Um, and so as, as we wrap, uh, we will again want to wish folks uh, health and happiness as we enter the new year. Um, there's some great uh, activities coming within our community. Um, I do want to quickly highlight two movies that are coming out next week that you should all see. They're both centered around parenting topics, which are just really, really important for all of us to understand. One you've heard about, which is Minari, um, is starring Stephen Yun. Um, it's getting Oscar buzz. Uh, another film that is not definitely getting the same attention is Happy Cleaners, uh, which was an independent film uh, shot and directed by a bunch of Korean Americans in New York City. Um, that one hit home for me more than Minari did. Because I think I visualized and I just, it's a good film. And whether you are a parent now um, or um, if you are bold enough to share this with your parents, um, please give it a watch and have important discussions, not with your own kids, not only with your own kids, but also um, with your parents as well. Um, again, a reminder, uh, send us your questions. If you have a reaction to any of the things that we've shared today or you want us to double down on something. Join us in our Facebook group at Current American Parenting Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram, both at our show account and our personal accounts. And we'd love to connect with you uh, on the digital surface and elsewhere as well um, as we as we uh, grow together to be better parents as well. Well, thank you and Happy New Year, everybody. See you next week. Be safe, be healthy, be happy. Bye.